0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Mark today, if he brings your word, pray that you would help him to speak what's on your heart and let our ears hear what you're saying to us today. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Amber. Yes. We love fall. We definitely love the, the idea of fall, for sure. Um, That's an inside joke. Um, So, which is a great way to kick off any public speaking is just use inside jokes. So, super good idea. So, um, we are starting off, we just uh, finished a a, a series last week and we're beginning a a brand new series called Under God. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about politics for four weeks. And, um, And I'm super excited about it. It's super easy. No problems, and uh, but it's important that we discuss this stuff, right? Because it is—it's on all of our minds. It's what we're we're thinking about, and we need to figure out how do we. In... Okay, okay, I don't know what that is. Uh, so we need to figure out how do we approach this from a, a, as a as a Christ follower, um, and so today is just hopefully going to be very foundational in the, in the way that uh, I approach politics, and I think that we are called to approach politics as a, as a Christ follower. Don't worry if I, if I miss your, it, something super important. We've got three more weeks, right? So, good news. Um, oh, and the other thing uh, that I thought it would be important to, to mention, so I don't get anybody tuning out, the first half of my message is going to sound like I'm saying, just don't worry about politics. That's not where I'm going. Politics I mean there's a transition about halfway through. So just stick with me. <laughs> so if you could just stick with me for a minute. Um we're gonna we're gonna get there. So oh Lord Jesus. I'm gonna pray. We love you and uh Lord, I just thank you uh that you care uh deeply about our engagement in culture and with politics and how how we bear witness of you in the midst of a, just a difficult and divisive and tumultuous time. Lord, we thank you that you are the king, that you are seated on the throne, and that we don't need to fear no matter what happens, because you are with us and that you are for us. Lord, I pray for your grace over, for me over the next few weeks as we talk about these super important things, and that you would be glorified through it all. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so once when Jesus uh, uh, was in his earthly ministry, these Pharisees were trying to, to trap him so that they could arrest him and have him killed. And so they come up to Jesus in Matthew 22 and they say, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? And Jesus' reply was simple though it, it stunned the, the hearers and they kind of walked away from him trying to figure out what to do with Jesus. He says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And the, the tax in question was this tax that was opposed on all uh, Jews paid directly to Rome. And while there were other taxes that were maybe more indirect on, you know, sales and customs and things like this. This tax was the, the primary mark of their political subjugation to a foreign power. And so some uh, scholars think, and I think, they're asking, Jesus, is it right or is it even permissible for people of God to express allegiance to a pagan emperor? And so they're trying to, they're trying to catch him in this. Right? And Jesus' response, I think, is pretty instructive for us during our current political climate. Right? How do we approach allegiance? Uh, how do we approach submission to worldly government as a people whose first and really our only allegiance is to King Jesus? And I think the, the response would be the same for us. He would say, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God God. What is God's? And so, okay, great, Jesus. What are we going to do with this? What, is it? what do you mean by that? What, is, what belongs to God? Well, if we were in Sunday school, this is a pretty easy question, right? What belongs to God? Everything belongs to God, right? He is supreme. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the ruler of all things. And he alone uh, deserves our allegiance and our praise and our honor, But in God's ordering of creation, he gives authority and he gives rulership to other people. We see this very, very early on in Genesis 1, uh, 28 to 30. He says to Adam and Eve, he tells them to rule and subdue the earth, right? And they have authority there to to go out and create culture and and pursue the, the flourishing of the creation and all of humanity. And they weren't just like the subjects of God, though they were, but they were given authority in their their realm under God. And then Jesus, uh, as he stands before Pilate during his trial leading up to his crucifixion, Jesus says this to Pilate. He says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. And so Jesus doesn't say, you know what, Pilate, you're illegitimate. You're, you, you don't matter, right? Your, your position is, is nothing. He doesn't say that at all. He's just saying the position that you have, which is a legitimate position, was given to you from above. And so Jesus has this, strikes this balance, right? We give everything to God, give to God what is God's, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and we have to hold those things together, And it seems that what he's saying is when the people came to ask him, you know, can we pay this tax? He says, hey guys, don't get too bent out of shape about taxes, about those in authority above you. God has placed them in those positions and they will be held responsible for their actions. But what is most important, what is of supreme importance is that first and foremost, you give to God what is God's. You give your full allegiance to King Jesus. And Jesus' intention from the beginning was to come and instigate a new kind of kingdom. right? This kingdom that is not of this world. It is from above. Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And what he meant right, is that it's close. Jesus is the king of this kingdom. It is something that we can participate in. It is something that is happening right now. And this new kingdom is infiltrating and overthrowing the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world. But Jesus' kingdom does not come through the ways we expect it. It does not come through the acquisition of positions of power. It does not come from military might or uh, social influence. It does not come through oppression. The kingdom of God always comes from light dispelling darkness, from kindness overcoming aggression, love casting out fear, and peace banishing hate. It comes through the spiritual power of self-sacrificial love and humility. And this is how Jesus came. He could have come in any way that he wanted to. right? He could have come as this big conquering hero, and many people assume that that's how he going to come. He could have come as this kind of influential political leader, Heck, he could have come as a wizard shooting lightning bolts out of his fingers, right? He could have done anything that he wanted. Could have. We'll read some of the Psalms, right? He looks like that. And uh, anyway, but he didn't do that. He didn't come that way. He came as a baby. He came born as a baby in the middle of nowhere to unimportant people, to a people who were in subjugation to a foreign power. And my dad always says, it's kind of, I don't know if I like it or not, but he always says that Jesus was born in the armpit of the Roman Empire. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Like, but it, just, it captures that, like, he, this is not a significant situation that Jesus arrives in. But it is through this position that he transformed the world. It was from this position in these acts of humility, these acts of love, and supreme faithfulness to the Father that transforms the world. And in Philippians chapter 2, we find Paul's lens for understanding the way of Jesus. And Paul says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So as we are living life, as you are engaging with the world, including our politics, we have to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And as Christ followers, we have a call to bear witness of God and to follow him in this same manner. This is how we bring his kingdom reality into our world our salvation is for the sake of others, which means that we want to live our lives in such a way that God is made famous, that God is glorified. We live our lives in such a way that it leads to the flourishing of other people. We are to participate in in the kingdom work that ushers in his characteristics of love and joy and peace and kindness and forgiven. And we usher these things into our spheres of influence. Right? Because that is what Jesus did. Right, He obeyed God in every moment of every day. He humbled himself. He loved others. And in hindsight, right, we kind of look back and we celebrate his peacefulness and his enemy love and his faithfulness to the Father at incredible cost. We love his humility and all these different characteristics of, of Jesus. But we, in, in the moment, I think we would have been much more likely to think like Judas who betrayed him or like the disciples who constantly misunderstood him and eventually abandoned him. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus is once again telling his disciples uh, that they're on their way to Jerusalem and he's going to be handed over uh, to the, the authorities and killed. And the, the disciples, once again, act like the disciples. So, he, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And like we can understand this. Right, Jesus is like he, literally like verses before. Jesus had just, just Jesus said, "Who do you say that I am? You're the Messiah, right? You are the Son of the Living God, right?" And so then Jesus gets up and like, "I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die." And Peter, being a, a worldly guy, "Hey, I've been around a little bit. Jesus, come, come here, come here, come here. Let me." Uh, so actually, this is not a good plan. Uh, you know, I, I've kind of looked at some of the metrics, and it seemed like all the people who die don't end up really kind of fulfilling their mission, right? And so maybe there's some other strategies that we could, we'll just spitball, there's no bad ideas here, Jesus, let's just keep it moving, <laughs> right? And so Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him, but then Jesus turns, looks at his disciples, and he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Get behind me, Satan! And I heard one uh, commentary and talk about how the kind of the language in Greek kind of is this idea of like, "Hey, Satan, you've gotten ahead of me. Get back in the right position." Peter, you've gotten out ahead of yourself. Follow me. Remember, we're taking up our cross. And we're going this way. He says to, to Peter, You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And as I, you know, I grew up in the church, I heard this story a lot. You know, I've, I read this story multiple times. And as, especially as younger people and as young Christians, we're just like, man, what's wrong with these guys? They don't get anything. Right, like we know who Jesus is. He's actually very clearly said who he is. Right, he said he's going to rise again. He's, you just said he's the Messiah. You, uh, how did these guys miss it? Right, how did, how could they possibly miss it? But as I have hopefully matured a little bit, as I recognize my own pride, my own inability to kind of sometimes look outside of my immediate circumstances, I realize I would have been Peter. Jesus, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you die? You're the the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. You're the one who's going to bring the kingdom of God. You're the one who's going to overthrow our oppressors. Jesus, death is not a good plan. We learn right that the way of Jesus made very little sense to those closest to him on his way to the cross. And if we're honest... There's times where the way of Jesus makes very little sense to us. But maybe after the resurrection, the disciples will get it. That's, well, hopefully, we'll cross our fingers. In Acts chapter 1, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, he's hanging out with his disciples. They're eating some fish. And he says to them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... But in a a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? And they're excited, right? Okay, you know, we didn't get the death thing before Jesus, but now you're back. Wow, risen from the, the, the dead. This is impressive. Let's, let's go, right? Let's give me this power that you were promising. Let's go and take Jerusalem. Let's go march into to Rome. And they, so they come around Jesus and they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I can almost imagine Jesus kind of just maybe shaking his head a little bit. And he says to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Right? They wanted power. They wanted uh, positional authority to, to kind of march in and take their enemies down a notch. Right? Okay, Jesus, we're ready for power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the power is not for, you know, your political influence. It's not for military might. It's not for grabbing your swords and slashing down your enemies. I'm empowering you to bear witness of me, to follow me in the way that I went. Well, that doesn't sound like a very fun time, Jesus. And Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They're like, well, that sounds like a good idea. Except the reason that they went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth is because they were persecuted. Because they were chased out. Because they were hated. But through that, they were empowered to bear witness of Jesus. And so the disciples again misunderstand this isn't the time, Jesus says. Uh, Elsewhere, he says that the the kingdom is not one of worldly power and worldly ways. He says to to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So Jesus' method of world change makes no sense to the disciples his laying down of his position, him making himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, humbling himself to death on a cross, makes zero sense from a worldly perspective. Like I said, we can easily look back at the life of Jesus with with hindsight, knowing how it all ends, and going, man, those disciples are crazy. But in our day-to-day lives, in our current political climate, in our individualized ideas of life, in our, our refusal to look outside of our immediate perspective, we reach out for ways of this world that seem more realistic, that seem more effective. We choose means of bringing the kingdom that Jesus never chose and can never actually bring the kingdom. We might say, you know, Jesus, your ways are real nice in theory. And they may have worked for you or they might work someday. But you don't understand what's happening right here and right now. Like we need position. We need power. We need control. And political influence is one way that we can grasp for power and control. But again, this is not the way of the kingdom. This is never what Jesus grasped for. He humbled himself and made himself nothing. He invited people to follow but never coerced. He retreated when people wanted to make him a king. He commanded Peter to drop the sword at his arrest. He stood silent at his trial. His throne was a cross and now he leads a cross-shaped community. And he instructs us to follow him. Here's the switch. See, I told you we'd get here. Political engagement is not bad. It might sound like, oh, we should just run away. We could live in a desert. This would be great. We can just kind of hide out, you know, and uh, we'll just have our little Jesus community and just hope that he comes back quickly. Um, So I'm not saying that political engagement is bad. I want to say that it's good, that it's vitally important. But what I'm trying to communicate is we must, Uh, never allow political power to become our hope, right? We can never allow political power to usurp the position of Jesus and the gospel in our lives. Caitlin Schuss, who wrote a little book called The Liturgy of Politics, she says that political participation should be viewed as one of many ways we practice the creativity and stewardship we were created for. Right? Like I said at the beginning, we are given authority to rule and to reign, to bring about the kingdom, to bring about flourishing in our world. And politics should be one of the ways we practice that, right? Because people have practiced politics for as long as there have been people, and it's looked different in different places. But this is just how we get along in society. And so we need to do this, and we need to press into it, and we need to steward it well in the way of Jesus, so we should participate in politics. We should engage. We must vote. We should voice our opinions. We should call out our political leaders on both sides of the aisle for bad, ungodly choices. Right? We should use a political engagement to move creation towards kingdom characteristics for all people. Just like God cares for the evil and the good. Right? I feel like I've used this verse the last two months more than I ever have in my entire life, but here we go one more time. Uh, my, we don't even even—you'd think I would know it. Matthew 5, verse 44. <laughs> but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And so we, in our political engagement, we are looking for the flourishing of humanity, right? Just like God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, we are called to engage with creation in this way, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. Political engagement is good, but it must not move out of proper alignment with the way of Jesus. As Christians, we cannot utilize fear or anger or hatred or oppression, abusive power, injustice, selfishness, pride, covetousness, slander, lying, or greed. Even if our goal is to bring about the kingdom, these tactics are off limits our political engagement must seek first the kingdom of heaven. And so, as we live our lives, as we participate with, uh, with the election, with politics, we, as Paul says, we clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. We bear with each other and forgive one another, just as the Lord forgave us. And over all these virtues, we put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. This was Paul's instruction to the new Jesus community in in Colossae. And so he's saying, as we engage with our world, right, we're going to clothe ourselves with the garments of the kingdom. So in everything we do, we want to act out of humility, and love, and obedience to God the Father. And so we want to be humble, to, to recognize that we do not see things the same as folks from different cultural experiences. And now this certainly doesn't mean uh, that there are multiple truths, it doesn't mean that you just get to do anything you want depending on where you grew up, but we should practice humility as we admit, I, I probably don't know everything. And so we want to do the work of of listening to those who do not think like us. And I really believe that as we step into the the voting booth, we absolutely need to vote with our biblically informed convictions. And we're going to talk more about these convictions next week, but shorthand, we we want to, to, to vote with these convictions of life and freedom and justice and hope. Love for the least of these. We want to seek Jesus, to cry out for his wisdom. right? Because he promises if we ask him for wisdom, he's going to give it to us. And we are in a, a culture with different, so many different narratives and things that are being said all the time. It's hard to sometimes weed them all out. But we can trust that the, the word of God is truth. We can, can trust that as we go, Jesus, will you give me some wisdom as we work through this? He promises to come and give us wisdom. And I want to close with this, that no matter what happens in this election, Jesus is still on the throne. He's coming back. And his kingdom is not brought about by political power and by influence, but by people who are nothing from a worldly perspective living the way of Jesus and ushering in his kingdom through self-sacrificial love and obedience to the Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And Lord, we just absolutely need you in the midst of this political season. Lord, the election is just a month away and there's all these different narratives, there's all these different things being touted as as truth, Lord, and sometimes it kind of makes us just want to give up and run the other way or makes us want to dig in our heels and, and fight, and there's a variety of responses. But Lord, we choose to be faithful to You, to follow You in the way that You did life, humbling Yourself, making Yourself nothing, being obedient to the Father even unto death. Lord, we choose to follow you, to to take up our cross and trust that as we die to ourselves in this world, that your resurrection power is poured out on those crosses. That life erupts where it seems like oh, this is not going to work. As we bend our knee to you, King Jesus, we ask that your wisdom and that your resurrection power would fill us so that we can bear witness of you so that your kingdom is manifest more and more and more through our lives. Jesus, we love you and we need you. Help us to be pleasing to you in everything that we do. Give us wisdom. Be with our country. Help us to live in unity as the body of Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.